It's so good to see you all, and um, it's a special privilege for me to be able to stand up here and share the Word of God. Um, it's great to come to church, and it's really good to hear the story of the Bible. And I know that a lot of you are very familiar with the Bible. Some of you are probably not. And I just want to tell you that the story of this book, the story of the Bible, is about Jesus. And what I really want to share today is that Jesus Christ is Lord. He is Lord. And because he's Lord, he has authority and he will judge in the last day. And so I want to look at one verse in particular that really stood out to me and it's, it's found in Romans chapter 14. So if you have a Bible, you could turn to Romans chapter 14. This is possibly going to be my last message on the book of Romans. It's one verse that really spoke loudly to me, and I keep coming back to it. So I'm hoping that I can share it in a way that impacts our thinking today. Romans chapter 14 and we're going to start at verse 10. And it says this, Why do you judge your brother? Or why do you set at naught or despise your brother? And then it says, For we shall all, that's everyone, we shall all stand before the judgment seat of God. We shall all stand before the judgment seat of God, for it is written, as I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me, and every tongue shall confess to God, so then every one of us You'll notice there's three references to the word every. That includes the entire human race of humanity. Anyone and everyone that has ever lived, it says, as I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow, every tongue confess to God, and every one of us shall give an account of himself to God. I want to share with you today the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Now, you know, there's a lot of people that will say, well, I have made Jesus Lord of my life. Whether you make Jesus Lord of your life or whether you don't, it doesn't change the fact that Jesus Christ is Lord. He is Lord. Some people have the opinion that he's nothing. He's Lord. Some people worship him in church like we do. He is Lord. And that is a fundamental statement. It is what the Bible teaches that Jesus Christ is Lord. And because he's Lord, he has authority and he will judge every single one of us at the last day. Now, 
let me be clear about something. The Bible says that there's none different. We're all the same. You might look at me and you might think that I'm something. I might look at you and I might think that you're something. Or you might think that I'm nothing. Or I might think that we're all the same. In this sense, we've all sinned against God. There is not a man upon the earth that has done good and never sinned. Have some sinned more? Yes, but we are all sinners. So one major condition that makes us different today, and everybody in this room and in this church and in this world could be classified under one of two categories. I have sinned and I am forgiven, or I have sinned and I am condemned already. Can I ask you a question today? Are you forgiven? Do you know for sure that the sins that you've committed your whole life have been forgiven? That is a critical question in your life because we shall all stand before God and we will all give an account for the things that we have done in our life the decisions that we've made. This verse that I just read in Romans 14, it's in a context of individual responsibility. I am individually responsible for the sins that I have committed my whole life. Individual responsibility. You know, um, the Apostle Paul wrote these words. Let me tell you a quick story about the Apostle Paul. I think that these words impacted him so greatly because he was an enemy of God. And he was torturing people that believed in Jesus. And he hated that name. And he was bent on absolutely destroying Christianity. You probably remember the story. It's in Acts chapter 9. And he's on his way to Damascus. And God spoke to him directly out of heaven by a voice and with a great light. And he was so impacted by it, he fell off his horse. It knocked him over. And and he couldn't even see because the light was so strong. And you remember what he said? He said, Who are you? And the voice came, I am Jesus, whom you are kicking against. Wow. Do you know what the Apostle Paul said? Lord. Lord. Have you ever been impacted so greatly in your life that it just hit you about your sin, about your your guilt about the way that you've lived your life? Maybe you're here today and and you have lived your whole life without believing in Jesus Christ. And you don't even know who he is. I have this great privilege today of presenting to you Jesus Christ, Lord. He is Lord. Lord. 
Where did these words come from? It says, as it is written. Let's go back to Isaiah 45. Here's where these words came from. These words that were written in Romans 14 were written 750 years before Jesus Christ came into the world. If you go to Isaiah 45, you can read these words in verse 18. For this is what the Lord says, the Lord who created the heavens, God himself who formed the earth and made it. He established it. He created it not in vain. He formed it to be inhabited. What does he say? I am the Lord, and there is none else. Could I tell you today that there are not many gods There is only one God. The one and only true God who created all things. The one who is the source of life. The one who knows everything about us. He holds our breath in his hand and he gives us life every day. Look what he says in verse 22. He says, look Unto me. Who says this? God. Look unto me and be saved, all the ends of the earth, for I am God and there is none else. And then he says, I have sworn by myself. The word has gone out of my mouth in righteousness and it will not return. What is the word? Every knee shall bow. Every tongue shall swear allegiance to God. Surely one shall say in the Lord, I have righteousness and strength. Even to him shall men come, and all that are incensed against him shall be ashamed. I want to tell you today from the Word of God, the Bible is the holy, inspired Word of God. It is eternal. It is infallible. It cannot be refuted. And it is eternal. And this is what it says. It says, Every knee will bow, and every tongue will confess And every man, every person, will stand before God. And everyone will be judged by the same word of God. You know, we live in a day today where people reject God. We live in a day today where people use the name of Jesus Christ as a curse word. We live in a day today when when people completely reject that there is a God who has authority. I want to share with you today from the scriptures that that worldview is a very foolish and unwise worldview. And I want to share with you why. Because I think that we are living in a day 
when things are about to happen in this world that will change everything. There is a day coming when what we have just read this morning will become very, very real. And I want to share with you a little bit about that day. Turn to Revelation chapter 6. This is a day that is coming when the wrath of God or the judgment of God will literally be poured out on this earth. And I believe that this day is going to happen very soon. Look around you. The Lord Jesus Christ is about to return. And after the rapture of the church, everyone who has believed in Jesus Christ as their Savior will be caught up, and they will be with Christ in heaven. And then there will be seven days, sorry, seven years of tribulation. And in the first three and a half years, things will be relatively calm. And the last three and a half years, literally the judgment of God is going to be poured out on the earth. And here's what's going to happen. You can read it with me. Revelation chapter 6. And it says, When he opened the sixth seal, I looked, and behold, there was a great earthquake. And the sun became black as sackcloth, and the full moon became like blood. And the stars of the sky fell to the earth as the fig tree sheds its winter fruit when it is shaken by a gale, a wind. The sky vanished like a scroll that has been rolled up, and every mountain and island was removed from its place. Then the kings of the earth and the great ones and the generals and the rich and the powerful and everyone, slave and free, hid themselves in the caves among the rocks of the mountains, calling to the mountains and the rocks, fall on us and hide us from the face of him who sits on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb, for the great day of their wrath has come, and who shall stand? You know, I, I want to be really real today. Because I think that there's a lot of people that are going to be exposed to the wrath of God in that day. And as you know, I'm involved in a street ministry, and we talk to a lot of people in the city of Halifax, and they scoff, and they mock about God and the word of God, and they laugh, and they joke, and they blaspheme. Folks, there is coming a day when this earth will experience the judgment of God. That day could be very, very, very soon. And it will be a real day when God will show to the earth that Jesus Christ is Lord. And every one of us that are here, anyone who's an unbeliever that has never come to Jesus Christ and bowed the knee, and repented of their sin, they're going to be exposed 
to the wrath of the Almighty God. And it's coming. And God has told us how people will react when the earth is shaken and the, the stars fall from the sky. They will run to, to take cover and they will beg and they will cry. Hide us from the wrath, the terror of God. You know what it says? Rich men, generals, bond and free, all men, no difference, all men, presidents, world CEOs, rock stars, celebrities, all the people of the earth that are exposed to the judgment of God in that day. They will bow their knees and they will cry to God to save them from the wrath of the Lamb. Folks, this is not fantasy. This is a reality. And this is coming. And most people don't talk about it. But the Bible makes it abundantly clear that there is a day of judgment that is coming. When the sovereign ruler of the universe, his name is Jesus, who holds the title deed to the earth, the only one who is qualified, he will break open those scrolls in heaven and the wrath of God will be poured out on this world. That day is coming. You know, I want to remind you what Jesus said in John chapter 12. Look at this verse. The one who rejects me and does not receive my words has a judge. The word that I have spoken will judge him in that day. What's going to judge men in that day? This book that you hold in your hand, it will judge men in the last day. The words that are written in this book will judge men in the last day. You know what else Jesus said? He said, do not fear those who kill the body. Most people will fear those who can kill the body. But he says, I will tell you who you shall fear. Fear those who, destroy both, who can destroy both the soul and the body in hell. There's only one person who can do that, and it is Jesus Christ. Do you know that God has committed all judgment unto the Son? And he has given him authority, and you can read this in John chapter 5. When Jesus was on earth, and he was in the temple, and he was shedding some light to the rulers of that day, they were furious with him. You know why? Because they said, he speaks as if he's equal to God. He is. He is God. And he says in that passage that God has given him authority to execute judgment. The Father judgeth no man but the Son. 
He's delivered all judgment to the Son. And the one who will judge us in the last day is Jesus Christ. And he is Lord. And he is judge. And he has authority. And the Bible says, every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess. And everyone will stand before him. Could I ask you a question today? What would it be like for you if you had to stand before God today? Are your sins forgiven? All the record of all the thoughts, of all the lies, of all the lusts, of all the actions that you've committed against a righteous and a holy God. You know, there's only one thing that matters. Am I forgiven? Or do I stand condemned? Because that is the critical question of our lives. You know what I want to tell you today? Listen. You can be forgiven. Yes. You can be forgiven. Amen. Amen. Of all your sins. And you might say, John, you don't know what I've done. You don't know where I've been. God does. He knows it all. He has a record of it in heaven. And you can be forgiven. What did we sing today? Have you been to Jesus for the cleansing power? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? There's only one thing that can take away your sin. It is the blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son. And it cleanses us from all sin. You can be forgiven of all your sins. I want to share with you a very serious passage that's related to this. Because there's going to be many, many, many people that will not bow the knee in this life. They will not acknowledge Jesus Christ as Lord in this life, but they will in the world to come. They will not bow the knee and say, God, save me from my sins. They will blaspheme God until they die. Now watch what happens after you die. Let's go to Revelation chapter 20. This passage is the final judgment of unbelievers that died and never bowed the knee and never acknowledged that Jesus Christ was Lord. Never had their sins forgiven. This is what's going to happen. Revelation chapter 20, verse 11. And I saw a great white throne. And him that sat on it, from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away. Who's sitting on the throne? Jesus. Lord. Judge. He has authority. He's sitting on the throne. Heaven and earth have fled away. What does that mean? 
I, I take it the earth is now dissolved. And, and this great company are in outer space, held up before God. Where do these people come from? These people have come from hell. Do you understand this? When a person dies in this life and has never believed in Jesus Christ, their body goes to the grave and their soul goes to hell. That's what the Bible teaches. If you have never believed on Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, never bowed the knee and acknowledged him as Lord, you will die in your sins and your soul will go to hell and you will be in God's prison house until the resurrection of judgment. Now, if you don't believe this, you could read at your leisure John chapter 5. And in John chapter 5, Jesus said this, Marvel not that I say unto you, all that are in the graves will hear my voice. Who is this? Jesus. Jesus is Lord. He is controller. He is judge of all the earth. And there will come a day when Jesus Christ will call all that are in the graves will be raised up. Those who have believed in Jesus Christ will be raised to go into heaven and enjoy worship and praise and forgiveness and thanksgiving for the entire length of eternity. Those who died in their sins never repented, never bowed the knee, they will be raised unto this judgment, and it's called the great white throne. It is great because it is God's throne. It is white because it is pure. There is no injustice in this court. This is the justice of God, and here's what's going to happen. I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God, and the books were opened, and another book was open, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which are written in the books according to their works. Stop for a second. All the sins that you've committed your whole life. Just pause and think. All your sins. They're written in God's book. God who is holy, God who is omniscient, God who is omnipresent, God who is omnipotent, all-knowing, all-seeing, all-powerful God has written in his book the sins of all your life. And it says that the dead are judged out of the things that were written in these books according to to the works of their life. And then it says that the sea gave up the dead that were in them, and death and hell gave up the dead that were in them. What does that mean? If you were lost at sea, and your body was never recovered, 
and, and, and no one could ever find your remains, God will take the molecules of that body and will raise them. If you died in your sins and went to hell, your soul and your departed spirit will be raised up and you yourself will stand before God naked and open to be judged by God. This is a serious and fearful thing. And then it says, death and hell gave up the dead that were in them and everyone was judged according to their works and death and Hades were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. Wait a minute, there's two deaths? There's two deaths. The soul that sinneth dies. The wages of sin is death. We're all going to die physically, but those who have believed in Jesus Christ will not experience the second death. You see, for the sins that you and I commit in our life, Sometimes there are earthly consequences. Whatsoever a man sows, that shall he also reap. So just because you've come to Christ and bowed the knee and acknowledged him as your Lord and Savior and received forgiveness, it doesn't mean all your troubles are going to go away. You will still deal with the consequences of a life that's passed. But here's the good news. They're temporary consequences. Because when you die, if you're forgiven, all your sins are gone and you have a new body and there's no more pain and no more death and no more crying for the former things are passed away and you enter into the glories of heaven and you'll be at peace for eternity. The stakes are very, very high because if you do not believe in Jesus Christ as your Savior... And if you don't bow the knee and receive forgiveness in this life, you're going to pay for your sins in this life, but then you're going to pay for your sins in the life which is to come. And it's called the second death. These are very solemn, very serious things for every one of us to think about. The final judgment, the judgment that will be raised up, the dead that will come from hell and will actually stand before God and then will be condemned to the lake of fire. It's no wonder that Jesus said, fear not them who will kill the body but are not able to kill the soul, but rather I tell you who you should fear. Fear the one who is able to destroy both your soul and your body in hell. I want to come back to this. Jesus Christ is Lord. Jesus Christ is Lord. I want to pause and I want to tell you the story of humanity. You know, there's a lot of people that live a lot of their life and they don't even get it. They don't, they don't realize what this life is all about. Why am I here? Where did I come from? Where am I going? What is the whole purpose? I want to tell you the story of humanity. 
Here's the story of humanity. There's one God, creator, sustainer, giver of life, one judge, one who has authority. He's holy, he's sinless, he is absolutely pure. He's a God who is full of everlasting love and compassion. He's a God who is merciful. He is a God who is not willing that any one of us should perish. And you might say, John, you just told this horrific thing about perishing in the lake of fire. That was not made for you. Hell and the lake of fire was made for Satan and his angels. That was never intended for anyone of the human race to ever go there. And the story of humanity is God is merciful. God is loving. God doesn't want anyone to perish. And so, what did he do? He made a way for you to have your sins forgiven. Galatians 4 and 4 says this. When the fullness of time was come, God sent forth his Son to redeem those who were under the curse of a broken law. I don't want anyone to miss this. We were created by the hand of God and we were created to worship God. We were created to love God. We were created to serve God. We were created to have fellowship and communion with God. But we sinned. And everything changed. We became condemned in our sin. We became lost. And so what happens to every one of us is we start to feel guilty. And we start to feel at a distance from God. Do you know why? Because in Romans chapter 2 and verse 15, it says, God has written his law on our hearts. And he's given us a conscience. And so when you look at something that you shouldn't look at, and somebody comes in the room, immediately you want to hide. When you do something that you shouldn't have done, immediately you want to lie to cover it up. When you do something that has hurt someone, you want to make excuse that someone else did something to you first. You know what happens to every one of us? We protest our own innocence. But God Almighty has taken his law and he's written it on our hearts and he's given us a conscience. And you know what? We're all guilty. Every single one of us. We come into this world under the curse of the law. It's a standard. No one can meet. It's perfection. And so God in his mercy, who didn't want us to perish, his holiness says he has to judge sin. He can't overlook sin because it's his character. And so God made a way so you could have your sins forgiven, so we could be redeemed. When the fullness of time was come, 
At the right moment, God sent forth his son, born of a woman under the law, to redeem those who were under the curse of the law. Listen, I present to you today Jesus, God's son, holy, pure, equal with God, the judge of all the earth who stepped into time, humbled himself and became a man and went to a cross and was crucified. His hands and his feet were nailed to a cross. And God, who is holy, who knew the sins of all your life, all my life, before I was even born, all my works are written in his book. He knows it all. And he gathered up the sins of the entire world. You know what's amazing to me? Is that my sins, John Wells, were included in that. And when Jesus was crucified, God Almighty took my sin and laid it on Jesus so it could be born righteously, so it could be paid for, so that it could be put away, so that the price for my debt of sin could be paid by Jesus. Folks, this is the good news of the gospel. When we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. What is the gospel? How that Christ died for our sins and was buried and rose again the third day. God, who is eternal, became a man. It's the only way that our sin could be forgiven so that he would go to the cross. Let me share this with you. Philippians chapter 2. Have this mind among yourselves, which is in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, equal with God, thought it not a thing to be grasped at, but he emptied himself and he became a man, taking on him the form of a servant, being born in likeness of men, being found in human form, He humbled himself and became obedient to the death of the cross. Even death by crucifixion. Therefore God has highly exalted him and given him a name that is above every name. You know what we heard this morning at the Lord's Supper? There is no other name under heaven given amongst men whereby you must be saved. Folks, there is no other way to God other than Jesus Christ. There's no forgiveness of sins other than the cross. The only thing that can put your sin away is the precious blood of Jesus Christ. And so we sing, Have you been to Jesus? For the cleansing power, are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? If you have never been washed in the blood of the Lamb, 
If you have never bowed the knee and acknowledged Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, and if you die that way, you'll be in hell. But God, in his mercy, has made this way to save you, to cleanse you. How do you do it? Look unto me, and be ye saved, all the ends of the earth, for I am God, and there is none else. You know, we sing a song that's so beautiful. It says this, And when I think of God, His own Son not sparing, sent Him to die, I scarce can take it in. That on the cross, my burden gladly bearing, He bled and died to take away my sin. Everyone who is a believer can say, Then sings my soul, my Savior God to thee, how great thou art. That is the critical, most important issue in your life. You know, there's another song that we used to sing. Was it for crimes that I have done? He groaned upon the tree. Amazing pity, grace unknown, and love beyond degree. Have you committed any crimes in your life? Do you know that Jesus Christ bore our sins in his own body on the tree? Crimes that I have done so I can be forgiven. There's nothing greater than to have peace with God. There's nothing more important. I want to point out something about this verse. It says, because Jesus was willing to give his life as a sacrifice for humanity's sins, God has highly exalted him, raised him up. Folks, Jesus Christ is not a dead Savior. He is alive. And he finished the work that God gave him to do. And he said, I will go up to Jerusalem. I will be rejected. I will be scourged. I will suffer. And I will be crucified. And on the third day, I will rise again. If that didn't happen, there would be no Christianity. If that didn't happen, there's no hope for anyone. But I'm here to tell you, Jesus Christ is alive. He has risen from the dead. He has destroyed the power of Satan. He has paid our debt. No one needs to perish. No one needs to go to hell in the lake of fire. No one needs to do that. Because Jesus paid the debt for humanity. And you say, how should I respond? Bow the knee and acknowledge he is Lord. Bow the knee and acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord. Wherefore God also has highly exalted him. Do you know that the Bible says, it says in Ephesians chapter 1, that he is far above all principality 
and all might and all dominion and every name that could be named, God has highly exalted him. He is Lord. Do you know him? We have this little track that says, do you know him? You know what most people say? I know about him. That's not, that's not good enough. Do you know him? He knows you. And he, with open arms today, is able, ready, and willing to receive you. Doesn't matter what you've done, where you've been, all the sin that you've committed. If you are willing to humble yourself and bow your knee and acknowledge that he's Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved forever. This is not a one-time thing. This is an eternal salvation. He doesn't just save you until you screw up. He doesn't just save you until you fall back into your own bad habits. If you are honest and genuine, he saves you for eternity. He forgives your past. He forgives your present. He forgives your future. The sins you haven't even committed yet. This is an amazing offer of salvation that God has for you. So can I ask everybody individually, just answer before God. Have you ever, in the presence of God, physically, literally, and spiritually bowed your knees and acknowledged that Jesus is Lord? I'm not asking you, do you come to church? I'm not asking you what you look like on the outside. I mean between your soul and God. Have you ever bowed your knees and say, Oh God, I am a sinner, but I thank you that you sent your one and only son to bleed and die for me on the cross. I acknowledge to you, Oh God, that he is Lord. Let me go back to where I started. Every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess. Every man will stand before God. It's not a matter of if this will happen. It will happen. The question is, when will it happen? Is it going to happen for you in this life so that you'll be forgiven and saved? Or are you going to bow your knees when you stand before the great white throne judgment, exposed in all your sin? You know, I hope that there is no one that ever has come to this church that ever finds themselves on the outside of a closed door for all eternity. And I hope that there's no one that ever comes to this church that ever stands before the great white throne judgment, naked in all their sin, and condemned eternally to the second death. I hope that no one ever has that experience. Our prayer and our desire is that everyone that comes to this church will bow their knees and acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord. Do you know that the Apostle Paul was a very rebellious, defiant sinner until God changed his heart? 
until God spoke to him directly and humbled him. Maybe you've had an experience in your life where God has spoken loudly to you and you've been convicted in the inside and you feel guilt. He's calling you to bow your knees and to acknowledge Jesus Christ as Lord. You know what Paul wrote? So many years later, after he came to know Christ and he lived his life for God's glory, this is what Paul wrote. Paul wrote this in Ephesians chapter 3. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he might grant you to be strengthened with power in his spirit in the inner man, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, and that you, being rooted and grounded in love, might know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge that you might be filled with the fullness of God. This is a rich life. This is a full life to be walking with God, to have peace with God, to be justified, to know that there is no cloud between you and the eternal God, that your sins have been forgiven, that you've been justified, that the guilty conscience is gone. He offers this to you today. What do you need to do? You need to bow the knees and acknowledge that he is Lord. I got three minutes and I want to tell you a really interesting story as I close. I read this book. This is um, Robert Murray McShane. I know probably most of you have never heard of this guy. He lived in uh, 1830 till about 1854. And uh, he died at 29 years old. He walked with God. He was a pastor. And he tells this story in this book that I'm going to share with you because it's so interesting. During the 1859 revival, many, many people in Britain were coming to Christ. And God was doing an amazing work of conviction. And, and the gospel was seeing a lot of results. There was this man who was a minister. His name was John Havel. This man preached the gospel with power one day, and there was a several thousands of people in this church. There was a young man there whose name was Luke Short. He was 15 years old. Okay, catch this story. A young man, 15 years old, heard this preacher preach mightily from one text. And the text that he preached from was, if any man does not love the Lord Jesus Christ, let him be cursed. This man preached the gospel to a thousand people. When he finished, he was about to raise his hands to bless the congregation, and he said, how can I bless this congregation knowing that are some of you here that are still under the curse of God. People trembled. Many people got saved. That young man, Luke Short, left that congregation trembling in his soul, thinking about the conviction of his sin and the fact of facing a righteous God. But you know what he did? 
He dismissed it from his mind, and he walked away. Many, many, many years passed. He got on a ship, and he moved to America, and he started a farm, and God gave this man incredible health. He had a birthday when he was 100 years old, okay? 85 years passed. He was 100 years old, and he sat down in his farm, and he started to think about all his life, and his mind fixed back to the day when he was 15, and he heard a gospel preacher say, anyone who doesn't love Jesus Christ is cursed. And he began to tremble. He'd lived 85 years of sin. And he thought about all the sins that he's committed and how he's now 100 years old and he's about to die. And he's lived his life without God. Do you know what he did? He got down on his knees in his field and he raised his hands to God and he cried out to God for mercy. And he asked God to forgive his sins because he didn't want to be cursed. God saved him that day. Next day he went to church and he got baptized. And he lived till he was 114 years old. And for 13 years, he told the gospel to everybody that he had seen every single day. Oh, the mercy of God. You know, this gives me great comfort. Because some of you may have wayward children that are in a far country and have really rejected God. The word of God is eternal. It's living. It's planted in their soul. And God is able to resurrect that in their mind. And it can come alive. And it can convict them just like it did this man Luke Short. 85 years passed and he finally bowed the knee. My recommendation to you is, don't wait 85 years. Don't wait eight minutes. Don't let this day pass without getting alone with God and bowing your knees and acknowledging Jesus Christ is Lord. Let's pray. Father, we thank you today for the gospel. We thank you, Lord, that you are a merciful God and not willing that any should perish. And we thank you that you paid the price by giving your son Jesus to die on the cross. And we thank you, Lord, that everyone here could hear this message of the gospel. I pray that every one of us will acknowledge that Jesus is Lord and have peace in our hearts and live our lives for your glory. And so, Lord, I just commend us to you today. We're about to receive a great meal, and we're about to have fellowship together. And we thank you for this food and we thank you for all your blessing and all your grace to this church. And we just commend us to you as we sing this one last hymn. We give thanks and ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, so